Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy. Welcome back for another spring training edition of 30 with Murdy. Today, my guest is Tim Nairing, the Yankees vice president of baseball operations and one of Brian Cashman's trusted lieutenants in evaluating and acquiring players. Nairing's ability to break down the players we see in spring training, both established players and up-and-coming prospects, that's what I've enjoyed tapping into the last few years in conversations with him. So that's what we get into in this conversation recorded Saturday morning at Steinbrenner Field. Tim and I begin by discussing the rotation candidates in the wake of the early injury to Luis Severino and the late start for CeCe Sabathia. Tim gives us a good breakdown of Domingo Herman, Luis Sessa, and Jonathan Luizaga from the scouting perspective and what makes them attractive options. Tim and I also discuss the ability and improvements made by not only Miguel Andujar and Gary Sanchez, but also Aaron Judge, who's had a terrific spring. We also discuss the first base battle between Luke Voigt and Greg Bird. Listen carefully to his evaluation of Bird, and you'll hear some things to indicate why the Yankees have not given up on him yet. Estevan Florial's impressive spring is another topic for us, as well as the Yankees' bullpen and how its construction can be a very important factor for the Yankees this season. Here's my conversation with Yankees Vice President of Baseball Operations, Tim Nairing. Tim, when you look at the three starters that are kind of vying for those last couple of spots in the wake of the Severino and Sabathia injuries, Herman, Loizaga, and Sessa, when you look at the three of them and what they've done so far this spring, what can you say that they've done better to this point than they were doing maybe last year? I don't know. I'll start with Sessa, uh, I would say. You know, I think he's been very impressive. I think he's controlled his delivery and his front side very well. I think the slider has been uh, very consistent. And I think uh, watching him in Dunedin the other day, I really thought the two-seam fastball uh, had a lot of movement to the arm side and, and bottom to it, which I think is going to be a great addition. So. He's position, positioned himself well to uh, take on some of those innings that are lost by, you know, CC and, and Seve being down. So he's done well. Herman has kind of pitched ways pitched. Uh, you know, I remember last year early on when I was watching in Houston, came in and gave us about five innings of relief work one day. Um, fastball was explosive. Curveball was good. Uh, so he's continued kind of what we think he is. Otherwise, uh, is the one guy that's very interesting. If you look at the back of the baseball card right now, his numbers are, you know, not good during spring, but I actually think he's got a tremendous ceiling. Uh, it comes down to one thing for me is fastball command. He did not have it his last time out. But what, with that being said, the one thing that I was very encouraged with was his ability to throw the curveball, the changeup in hitters counts, throw him for strikes, and they were quality pitches. So, again, um, you know, it was about fastball command. He didn't have it in the game, but apparently uh, yesterday he had a really nice side and the fastball command was there. And I think when he moves forward, he's, he's going to be a guy that, that knows where he's throwing it and, and he's got a high ceiling for us. Can you help explain to people why this one aspect is so important? I've heard pitchers tell me, I remember years ago, Mike Messina used to tell me that he knew he was ready for the season to start when he could spot his fastball to the glove side. And... We're talking, the three guys we're just talking about are all right-handed batters, or right-handed pitchers, so it, it's the same thing you're talking about. If you're facing a right-handed batter, it's to the outside corner, getting locating the pitch to that part of the plate. Now, Sessa has talked about how that 
was a problem for him last year, and he's made a little a fix in his delivery with his step to try to to try to help that out. Why is that pitch so important to a right-handed pitcher, and what happens when it goes wrong? Well, I mean, number one, every pitching coach is going to want a place to go to against a certain batter when you need a strike. Okay, so if it's two and zero, it's a hitter's count. Where can I throw my fastball to get a strike or to get back into the count? And oftentimes, it's a pitch down and away from the hitter. So, yes, it's a very important spot. It's a very important pitch to command. Um, there's a variety of reasons why it's difficult. Guys that have cross-body deliveries, guys that are quick down the hill and their arm doesn't catch up, there's a lot of difficulty to get to that part of the plate uh, as opposed to pitching to the arm side. When we evaluate guys every single day we evaluate how they command the ball to the arm side and how they command it to the glove side then obviously we look at the handed hitters as well if it's left-handed hitters and you want to you want to get that fastball in on a left-handed batter you got to be able to stick it in there Uh, if you let it you know tail back over the plate then it's it's basically the hot zone for the left-handed batter and, and then damage is done so yes it's very important I will say with today's game and all the velocity that we see um, I use the term lanes if a guy's talking about lanes to the arm side or to the glove side that's staying in certain lanes we see a lot of guys now that pitch to layers uh, where they're basically attacking the upper part of the zone they may not be so worried about what part of the plate it's on but they're worried about keeping it in an an upper layer where their ball rides through the zone and obviously gets swing and misses there so Depending on what type of pitcher we're talking about, now those three gentlemen that we're looking at, they're, they should be able to pitch in lanes and also layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see it oftentimes with two strikes, guys that elevate, you know, deep in the count. So, um, but there's others that are coming along now that, because of the way their delivery works and their, and their arm works, they are more pitching to layers earlier in their career rather than worrying about getting to a down and away spot. Michael King was a guy that when the spring began, we thought he was going to be a real big part of this. He ended up with some issues that's cost him the spring. When, as he gets going again here very, very soon, is he a guy that can still be part of this mix for 2019? Uh, and, and when do you see that possible? Well, obviously he came off of a great season last year where he was promoted and finished up at AAA and threw the ball real well. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that he's going through some health issues right now. Uh, I would fully anticipate when he's back healthy that I could see him being in the mix um, without question as far as as the season progresses. Now, again, it's going to be based on his health and, and how he comes back. Um, so, But I, I would think that when healthy, he's, he's definitely one of the guys that uh, can help our club. You're tapping into this depth a little bit sooner than you had wanted, obviously. Um, you knew you'd have to at some point. Every team anticipates having to use eight or nine starters, you know, maybe not uh, before opening day. Um, the question I get most from fans is that, okay, Severino's down, Sabathie's down. Why aren't the Yankees signing Dallas Keuchel? Why don't they sign Gio Gonzalez? And I know that as an organization, I, I felt over the last few years, you've always been very excited about the ability of the guys kind of this in, that are in this conversation we're talking about and not so much married to the back of the baseball card of those other guys. Um, 
is it is it a similar situation here where you're looking at a lot of upside versus the value in a guy who has a name or a track record that's available on the open market? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it, it's easy to think about just jumping into the free agent world and, and grabbing, you know, the best quote-unquote name that's out there. But, you know, there's a lot of other things that go into it. You know, we have evaluations of the people that are out there, uh, where we think they are as far as their careers and what we think they could bring to the table. And, and, and obviously those guys have value. But uh, at this particular point, I know we've we've kicked the tires a lot on, on what's outside the organization. We're watching what's what's going on with other organizations. And, and as you well know, there's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to the end of spring training with players that have outs and some different things that are going on. But when it's all said and done, the bottom line is we have some people that we just spoke about that we have confidence in that can provide – starter roles they can provide innings in the bullpen they have a lot of versatility and and they have stuff that's gonna should allow for them to be successful major league pitchers so um, we're we're lucky enough to have those individuals in-house and again like you said in a perfect world everybody's healthy and and you know we don't have to tap into that depth but the facts are the facts you know hopefully Savvy continues down a good path CC continues down a good path. Um, Montgomery at some point continues down that path. And we have some very good options right here inside this organization that should allow for us to, to be very competitive early on. The guys we're all talking about are starters. Stephen Tarpley is a reliever who's who's looked very good this spring. What do you liked about what he's done? And you know, I, I guess it's to his advantage that the three-batter rule doesn't go into effect this season uh, as a left-handed reliever. It might affect roster construction as you go look going forward, but he's a guy that has, has really turned in some pretty good results here. Yeah, he has, and it, it, it's interesting how he's done it because uh, when we acquired him from Pittsburgh a while back with uh, Tito Polo, I remember watching him. He was a big, strong, athletic left-handed pitcher that had a nice fastball, continued to work on, on the breaking ball. Um, over time, he's really evolved into a, a, a different type of pitcher. Uh, one, one of which I think actually is going to be able to throw against left and right-handed hitters because he's got such bottom to his fastball now. The sinking action yesterday threw some very good sliders and, and curveball was good. You know, changing the shape of his breaking ball. Um, I think he's going to have uh, a nice career ahead of him because you know he's really changed the way he goes about it it's no longer that straight four seam fastball he's actually got a, a two seam fastball that has tremendous bottom to it and i think he's going to be effective versus both turn my uh, attention now to some of the some of the hitters and i'm watching the game on friday and aaron judge does what he he does pretty much all every time you see him what stood out is two strike swing a uh, little bit, you know, he's he softened up that leg kick with two strikes, and he's still able to power the ball over the fence, a, a pretty good clip. What have you liked about watching him hit and how he's grown over the last few years? And how does he compare now to the hitter maybe you saw as he was coming up, say, four or five years ago? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, <clears throat> number one, he, he works his tail off. So <clears throat> that's, that's probably the, the foundation to everything that he's been able to achieve. Uh, I can remember early on watching him, and you know, the, the swing would happen, and he'd, he'd actually run out of out of, of bat, you know. Um, 
I remember James Rouson talking about giving him a leg kick to not only put him in a better position to hit, but give him the feel of getting into his backside. You know, right now, if you're watching him do his drill work or his swings, you can see that he's got a big you know, effort towards getting into his back hip. Um, with that being said, during the whole process, he's had to learn how to control his front side better. Uh, and now, coming into camp, he's gone to an abbreviated no stride, kind of up on his front toe and, and, and setting his foot down with two strikes. I actually think it's going to be uh, something that's going to be very useful for him, not only in two-strike situations, but I also think there's going to be pitchers on the mound that actually slide step um, to try to mess with the hitter's timing. Uh, guys that are really nasty as far as you know the actual stuff, the big velocity or the, the wipeout secondary pitch, where you may go to an abbreviated lower half to give yourself a little bit better position to to do some damage. So he's a big, strong man, um, really excited with this change of approach, if you will. Uh, I think it's going to bode well for him. He still has rhythm. He still has the ability to drive the ball out of the ballpark, as we've seen multiple times now during spring training. So um, looking for big things out of Aaron. First base was the job that was open coming in, and still it's it's a really good competition all spring. Luke Voigt and Greg Bird are both having really good springs. I imagine that's kind of what you wanted. You know, you, you wanted to have to have make a tough decision as an organization as opposed to having guys who weren't performing well. What have you seen from these guys and how they've gone about their spring so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the one thing that I, I love about Luke is this guy's working his tail off on the defensive side, continues to give professional at-bats. Obviously, he's a very dangerous hitter. Um, I think all of us have thought that Greg Bird was going to be an impact bat in the middle of a lineup, a championship-type lineup. And, you know, because of health, I think he's had, you know, some issues there over the last few years where, you know, when your lower half is bothering you, it's, it's very difficult to be a productive hitter. Uh, so he looks healthy, the swing looks good, and obviously, you know, he's had some at-bats where he's driving the ball to all parts, opposite field, pool side. Um, so, and he's played well defensively as well. So, you know, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a great problem to have. Those two young men are uh, both deserving of being in the middle of a lineup somewhere. So we'll figure it out. Time will tell what, which guy's going to be. I got a feeling both of them are going to be impacts for us uh, during the course of the year. Two guys whose uh, whose defense came under scrutiny last year, going into this year too. Let's start with Miguel Andujar. He put in a lot of work in the winter. Uh, you could tell early in the spring that he had just a different look about how he was going about his defense. Uh, what have you seen the, uh, from him as far as progress on that end? Uh, I think there's been a lot of progress. I. Two days ago in Dunedin, I was very, very impressed with different plays that he made to his left, to his right. Um, his setup's better. His feet are working better. Uh, you and I have talked about him for a lot of years. And, you know, there's there's certain guys that have a certain ceiling on the defensive side based on their physical tools that they have. Some guys have a lack of foot speed. They have lack of quickness. They have lack of arm strength. All, all, all those type of things limit you know, how good a guy can actually be on the defensive side of the game. You know, Miggy has a lot of physical tools that should allow for him to be a plus defender. And 
I know Mendy and, and Miggy have worked really hard during the offseason. He's, he's got a game plan. I, I've been very impressed with, you know, how his feet are working. He's always had good hands and he catches the ball, but there was times when he'd stand up and he, we call it traveling where his feet keep moving and, and next thing you know, he drops his arm slot. And, but uh, right now his, his transfers are quicker than we've seen. Uh, he's been he's been doing a nice job, and it's 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 been fun to watch. And and again, I, I mentioned about Aaron Judge being a hard worker in, in the cage and and on both sides of the ball. Uh, Mr. Andujar is is the same way. He he works tirelessly on on his defense, his offense. He's a hard worker, and usually when you put the time in, he he eventually uh, reap the rewards. Gary Sanchez is the other guy uh, we talk about with, with defense. And the other night, uh, watching the game on TV, I noticed you know John Flaherty pointing out some of the balls that he blocked and how what a good game he had the other night here. Uh, and then Friday, you know, a couple of get away from him. I mean, I understand during the course of the season that's going to happen uh, with a with a catcher. But you get from game to game, you get a couple of different looks. I know how much it seems to bother him. Uh, when he's not performing well, what do you see from him as far as improved health and how that's affected him defensively? Well, I, I will say the other day uh, was the first time there was a blip on the radar screen because I think he's looked very good. I think the setup looks good. He looks athletic back there. Um, we all know what kind of arm he has. Uh, to me, it's about establishing the relationships with the pitchers. Pitchers have confidence thrown to him. You know. He's going to continue to work and, and get better with some of the, the failed blocks or pass balls or whatnot. So we have a lot of confidence in him. You know, when we sit there and we start dreaming about what we were able to accomplish last year and how we were able to accomplish it, and then you start thinking about pieces of the pie that we we felt that probably have great up great upside and, and probably can produce greater than they did a year ago. Uh, when we, we look at what Andohar is capable of on the defensive side, what we look at Greg Bird, what he's capable of on the offensive side, what we look at Gary Sanchez and what he's capable on both sides of the ball, uh, you start looking at all these different pieces and, and saying, wow, you look at Tommy Canely, who, you know, last year, you know, obviously probably some health things going on that, you know, he kind of, uh, you know, has, has talked about early in the spring. Uh, he, he's finally healthy and throwing the ball with the velocity that we saw two years ago. So, again, last year he wasn't an integral part, but he's got the ability to be a tremendous back-end type of reliever. Uh, and what we saw from him a couple of days ago was very encouraging and what we're seeing during the spring. So there's a lot of things that are, are going on here that if, if we can get, you know, just normal production out of some of the people that, you know, had somewhat of down years because of, variety of reasons, health included. Um, it could be a pretty exciting season for us. You've had three weeks of games or thereabouts and, um, already and about 10 days to go here in Florida. Esteban Florial still here. Hasn't played above A ball, but he's getting a lot of playing time here, a lot of at-bats. We've talked about him for a couple of years. His, his tools are obvious, and it seems like it's more fun to watch them every day. Because you can start, as we've talked about, the, the idea of dreaming on a player. There's a lot you can dream of with him. What have you made of his spring and how refined are his tools getting from, say, this point last year to now? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll start off with um, 
you know, when you're evaluating in this industry, you obviously look for tools and, you know, he's got the type of tools that just jump at you, the arm strength, the speed, the power. Uh, so, you know, that, that part of it's easy. You say, wow, this, this young man has tremendous skill set. And then you get to know him and he's such a good kid that you actually start to root for him, <laughs> you know, and, and it's not just people like myself in the organization it's teammates it's you go to a veteran type guy that is on the club and they're like wow you know what a great kid goes about the right way asks the right questions works his tail off and they start pulling for him so tremendous person um you know he's a young man that needs reps last year obviously had a hamate injury so he missed a lot of time uh We'll, re- we'll use the term back of the baseball card numbers probably weren't where he would want them, uh, but there were some things uh, inside the numbers that were very encouraging for us. You know, he, he did a nice job controlling the zone. He did a nice job of uh, cutting down on swing and miss. There, there's a lot of things that he did well. Uh, he was exposed to the Arizona Fall League, uh, made the fall stars out there, and um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, hit a double down the opposite opposite third baseline uh, great kid you know where he starts this year maybe it's able maybe it's double a uh, when Brian and I were talking about it I'm like I don't think there's a, a wrong answer where you start him because he's got great skills and he's going to find a way to be successful at whatever level we, we decide to start him so uh, I think he is getting better I still think there's a lot of work to be done but um Boy, if you know you dream about it, and if, if if he starts uh, clicking on both sides of the ball, he could be a, an incredible asset for this organization for a long time. I, I recognized the other day that he's at a similar point, uh, just maybe development-wise, uh, or the level that he plays. Melky Cabrera in 2005 uh, had not played above A ball. Began the season in Double A, was Triple A, and the mid-season injuries forced a spot where he was called up to play in the big leagues at a very young age. You know, Florial's gotten a lot of experience and exposure here this spring. It's probably not ideal, but could you see a situation where he can come up and have some sort of an impact or value to the big league club this year? Oh, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that would be it. Would be great if he put himself in a position that he's even considered for the major yeah. leagues. I. I think, um, you know, I, working in player development for the, the amount of years that I did and, and, and now working with, with, with the Yankees, the one, the one thing that we do every single day is we try to figure out where to put an athlete where he's challenged but yet has a reasonable uh, chance for success, uh, realistic goals. So to me, you know, is it realistic to think that at some point you're going to see Florian in the big leagues? That's probably dreaming a little bit, but again, the, the, these type of guys that have the, the skills that they have, when when it's when they start figuring it out, it's it's exciting to watch, and and they show up quicker than you maybe uh, had on the, the original blueprint. So uh, I wouldn't put anything past a guy that has those type of skills. Last thing I want to talk to you about is your bullpen and the way it's been constructed. And, and it's not new. You've done it for a couple of years, but it, it almost seems like it's being kicked into overdrive with adding adding Britton and Ottavino. And you got a lot of guys who just get swings and misses. And I know that's the way the game has trended a little bit, but late inning situations here, I mean, it seems like you're almost taking the 
taking some of the luck out. You're taking the defense out of the equation here with guys who can get so many strikeouts at the end of a game. Is is this um, kind of been an evolution in design, or is it just kind of the nature of who was available to you and what you were able to build? Well, you know, I if you look at Britain, Britain's the type of guy that can, that can create a ground ball to potentially mm-hmm. create a double play to get out of an inning, you know? Um, Adovino, obviously, with a cutter and a slider, tremendous swing and miss pitches, and, and the rest of the guys that are down there uh, either have power, you know, the powerful fastball that creates swing and misses, or they have, you know, a, a secondary pitch that creates swing and misses. Is it done by design? Absolutely. I mean, I think we've this organization for for quite a while has, you know, been built on powerful bullpens that. Um, you know, if we have a lead going into the fifth or sixth inning, I, we're very confident that we have a number of guys. And again, I, I'm going to bring Tommy Canley up again. If Tommy Canley comes back to what he was two years ago, you may have a situation where you could have three different individuals available on a given night that, that could pitch to seventh, eighth, and ninth. You know, you, 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 and if we could, if we can have that scenario where. They're, everybody's sharing the workload. Uh, it's only going to bode well for us during a long season. Um, we don't have to put all the emphasis on two or three arms. There could be five or six guys that um, could handle, you know, critical innings for us deep in ball games. Is that where an eight-man bullpen really becomes an asset to you, so that you can have guys rested and ready? pretty much every night as opposed to maybe playing short occasionally? Yeah, there's no doubt that that's, that's one of the major positives. Obviously, we all know that in the, in the world of analytics and, you know, the, the numbers indicate that, you know, the third time through the order for a starter, you know, the, the numbers show that your chances of, of getting through that lineup is probably better with a bullpen piece. Um, you look at what Chad Green has done for us in regards to the multiple innings and how valuable that has been. Uh, you could you could make a case that the, that role and the, and the way he's produced is maybe more important than than a back end starter, if you will. So, again, the the way the game has evolved, and obviously now we we're, we're seeing openers, we're seeing all different types of things. But you you have to have um, a good bullpen if you want to be successful. Now, does that discount the value of a starter? Not my opinion at all, because as we've seen time and time again in the postseason, the guys that come out and, and give a good start, the good, the dominant starters, have have carried teams, you know, th- to the promise land. So, the starting pitching is still very, very important. Uh, but well, you can't discount how important the, the bullpen is and the roles that they different roles within that pen and dominant or not there's still the guys being asked to get the most outs on any given night right no doubt about it i mean it's that's the way it is i mean the game is still set up that way so um you know starting pitching sets the tone and uh hopefully we get our guys healthy and and in the process uh, some of these young younger guys are going to get a, uh, a chance to show what they're capable of and, and get very uh, valuable experience during the process 
A lot of good things to chew on there from Nehring, who, again, has one of the best reputations in the game for evaluating players. You won't find anyone Brian Cashman trusts more than Tim Nehring. And lucky for us, he likes to share his insights and talk some baseball, so I hope you enjoyed that. I'll be back with another episode here soon. Also, keep checking out WFAN.com for columns and notebooks, the WFAN podcast archive for my appearances on the different shows on the radio station, and you can also follow all the fun and games on Twitter at Yankees WFAN and on Instagram at Sweeney underscore Murdy. Back with you again soon. Thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.